Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The kick ahead. And Dufty's chasing it. The bounce sits up. The Dragons are steamrolling to week two of the finals. Inside the last 10 seconds of the game. St. George. Illawarra to the death. Trying. Brown goes to the air. Going back is Mabel. Sleeping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible try and ties this small game up. Bartram from 18 metres out. He strikes it nicely. St George Illawarra win for the first time in their premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock down the sideline. Chipping over the top of John Kane. Got a room source of bounce to win the game for the Dragons and book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Greetings, Red V Podcast fans. Welcome to the final episode of 2021, episode 102 of the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton uh, here with you. A little bit of a different podcast tonight with uh, it uh, being only a few days until the end of the year, being a little bit difficult to lock down a co-host for uh, the Red V Podcast. So just me writing solo tonight. And we won't be having a Dragons News and Update section or a Fans Corner section. There isn't too too much happening around the club at the moment, obviously with the players not uh, due back until early. Uh, next year, but uh, we'll be uh, bouncing back next week, taking a look at all the latest news around the Dragons HQ and also uh, answer your fans' question. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of them as we head into 2022. Not too far away from when I guess that uh, those pre-season trials begin when we, we get into kind of mid to late January. That's when it really starts to gear up and uh, media starts to talk a bit more about what the sides might look like for round one and we'll do our best to uh, preview some of the positions and preview that Dragon side as well as we get into 2022. Uh, instead of a, a 
a normal show where we'll be having a, a, a fans corner question, our news section. We actually are going to continue our interview series, which we've been doing uh, over the latter part of this off season. So uh, tonight we're going to be uh, chatting with Adrian Brunker. So Adrian was a representative for the St. George Dragons between 1996 and 1998. He played uh, in that uh, famous St. George side that made uh, that tightrope run to the finals in nine, or the grand final in 1996 and played in that decider. He also uh, played in the last ever standalone game for St. George in 1998, that semi-final defeat against Canterbury Bankstown at Cogra Oval. Amongst that, he, he also spent time at the Newcastle Knights. He had success up there, actually played against the Dragons in that 1992 uh, trialless uh, semi-final where St. George beat Newcastle 3-2. That year, he also played uh, for Queensland and then spent a bit of a, uh, a difficult time up on the Gold Coast uh, playing there with the, with the Gold Coast Seagulls injuries and, and poor form kind of curtailed um, any chance that he had of, of continuing his career. And then he managed to be lured uh, down south by David White, uh, David Waite uh, to the St. George Dragons. So I really hope that you enjoy the chat with, uh, with Adrian. Adrian was a uh, very kind enough earlier in the year to give up his time and talk about his career and growing up in Queensland and where the love of, of rugby league came for him. So we hope that you enjoy our full interview here with Adrian Brunker on the Red V podcast. Welcome to the Red V Podcast, another one of our interviews that we're doing for you that we've been playing uh, throughout the last couple of seasons of the Red V Podcast. I'm very pleased uh, to be chatting with Adrian Brunker today. Now, Adrian uh, played over 100 uh, first grade games in the Australian, uh, both the New South Wales Rugby League competition uh, and the ARL. He spent time at the Newcastle Knights and also the Gold Coast uh, franchise up there up north before uh, spending uh, a bit of time at the St. George Dragons. He played 52 games uh, for the Saints between 1996 and 1998. He played in the 96 uh, grand final. He also played in uh, St. George Dragons standalone, their very last game in that semi-final against Canterbury in 1998. Adrian's been uh, kind enough to give up his time this afternoon, chat a bit about his footy journey and what he's been doing uh, post-rugby league. Uh, Adrian, thanks for joining us on uh, on the Red V podcast, mate. How are you going this afternoon? Yeah, good. Thanks, Edge. Yeah, very well. Uh, thanks, Adrian. I guess uh, when you, you look back on your three years at the Dragons, you, you played over 50 games there and, and managed to chalk up 25 tries for the Red V. Obviously, the, that 1996 grand final and that run to the grand final, probably a, a real highlight. But is there anything else that stands out from your time uh, playing at St. George? Yeah, I think the, the key one that uh, sticks to mind for me was the actual supporters, to be honest. Mm. Um didn't matter where you go, you always had thousands of supporters in the country, no matter what. And the key was is uh, whenever you you may not have won the game, but the supporters were just as nice as if you won. Uh, do you run into any Dragons fans up in up in Queensland these days, Adrian? No, not not that much. No, we're a bit bit old now, mate. Most <laughs> of the people weren't even born when I was playing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so. Um, Adrian, you grew up in in Collinsville. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, growing up there and growing up in in Queensland, and and what your, I guess, your childhood and your youth and and your family was was like in that early period of your life? Yeah, well, I uh, brought up in a town that was only two thousand people. Uh, it was a mining town. Uh, basically, if you didn't play rugby league, you would get bashed. <laughs> definitely, there's definitely no av- avenues for soccer or anything, but. You either played football or cricket and the likes, otherwise uh, you, you got pretty much knocked out. But, um, yeah, no, growing up in Collins was a small town. Most people think that would be terrible, but 
when you're a kid, you got uh, you never have to be home at certain times. Mm. You just had free reign. You always go on camping, motorbikes, pig chasing, you name it. So lots of fun in a small town, yeah. Uh, so you played your your junior rugby league up there. What was what was that like, Adrian? Yeah, I never. I sort of made all the the, the prelim, um, like the Sunday teams and different mm. things like that. But when I was growing up, I was actually pretty short and small. So um, when we went away for school teams, obviously the same as a lot of other parties. Yeah. People you're playing against have got beards and you're only a little kid and <laughs> lucky, lucky to have air under your arms. But as I gra- gradually got older, I had a bit of a sprout in, in height and from there I uh, went to six foot two pretty quick and from there played in a couple of representative sides and as you know, uh, played Queensland residents uh, when I was about 17 years old. So we know in your first grade career, Adrian, that you, you played a lot of wing and centre, particularly at your time at, at the Dragons, and that happened uh, when you, you made the Queensland side um, later on that we'll talk about. When you were growing up and playing in some of those uh, junior sides and, and youth sides, was wing and centre that that main position for you? Yeah, I just played centre my whole life, pretty much. Um, so uh, a centre, um, born born and bred, um, did, you, did you ever... I guess kind of growing up when you did get a, a little bit bigger, Adrian, think that you kind of make something out of rugby league, maybe not necessarily be a, be a first grade footballer and play as many games as you did, but kind of have a bit of success in, in some of those, those rep teams around the place. Well, actually I, I actually quit football to um, play golf because I was actually winning a, a fair few um, tournaments as a golfer. So I'd made a decision to um, put the footy away and try and take up a golf career and, it wasn't till the end of the year um, I'd been playing in. I was like, we actually, I actually had my first game of first grade at 15. They just walked mm. along the sideline one day and asked whether some kids wanted to play and end up playing with another cousin of mine at 15. And then from there, we uh, tried to push our way and play in that sort of level all the way from then on. But I actually um, got asked by. Uh, North Queensland to drive to Townsville for training, which is three hours away, mm. <laughs> and uh, see whether I wanted to take take the the footy on, which I did, and that was in the off season. And uh, a guy by the name of Grant Bell was the guy that was looking after um, spotting me and getting me to go up there. And from there, I um, done the training and got selected the next year. Uh, so. Y- Let's speak about the the golfer a little bit, uh, Adrian. How 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 long was was that kind of um, going on for you to to kind of drop rugby league for a little bit and and chase golf? And uh, like I know you you've had a few injuries uh, recently, but are you, are you still an, an avid golfer up there in Queensland? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I I live in a golf community on the Sunshine Coast. I got a good friend that's a ex golf pro, mm. and uh, we we play pretty much every chance we can get. Um, when he's when he's on a sort of a mine roster similar to myself, so whenever we get a chance to play, every three minute we're out golfing. Uh, so you spoke about um, yeah, your footy journey to uh, this uh, to to a certain age, uh, age. We know that you you went on and, and played first grade with with Newcastle and made your debut um, with them in in 1990. Can you give us a bit of background as to how that move kind of transpired and um, 
yeah, I guess I guess moving from um, a, a regional town in Queensland of, of uh, around about two thousand people to a to a place like Newcastle that's uh, a little bit a little bit busier and, and certainly a town that loves their football. Yeah, well, as I said, I um, trained over that off season and made um, the North Queensland Marlins side, which I played in um, them games and was lucky enough to get selected in the Queensland residents side. So I was, a, I think I was just turning 18 at the time. Once I'd made the Queensland resident side that year, um, I thought that I'd be, automatically be able to be selected in the uh, lower grades, but they made me go play all the low, uh, the 19s, 21s mm. and everything in the lower grades to then get selected in the Queensland side. So I was lucky enough to be um, one of the first um, kids to make the um, – 19s, 21s and residents in the one year. So in that year, I had a lot of success and uh, picked up the rookie of the year, which was great. Mm. And from there, I um, headed down to Newcastle. When I got down to Newcastle, I was coming off a pretty big high year of Mm. um, a lot of success. And uh, when I started that year, looking forward to hopefully continuing that on and um, had some pretty horrific, uh, well, just first couple of games, I dislocated my ankle twice. Oh. So one of the first couple of games, I dislocated and I had six weeks off getting it back in order. And the very next game back, I dislocated, dislocated the same ankle again. So oh, ouch. <laughs> gone from trying to be on a high to, to go into first grade, but end up having to come back through the ranks because I've been out of the game for so long. So that was the first year in, in NRL was uh, pretty d- disappointing. Uh, what was the move like for you, Adrian, moving from Queensland down to, to Newcastle, New South Wales? Did you find that, that an easy transition? Well, funnily enough, I've always supported the Broncos and the Broncos was my favourite team at the time. And um, coming from a small mining town, which was very union-orientated, um, I was basically courted by the Broncos as well as the Newcastle Knights mm. and the town, because the Power Brewery sponsor didn't have unions in their actual um, establishments, most of the local town was not going to support me if I went to the Broncos, which was pretty disheartening as yeah. a kid. Um, so I, fun, funny story was I, I powered up the back stairs and told my father that I was uh, going to Broncos and I didn't care, they can get stuffed. And I tried to ring up the Knights to tell them that, um, as a matter of fact, it was David Waite to tell him that oh. I wasn't going to be coming down. I was going to go to um, the Broncos. And he said, what if we doubled the contract? And I said, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Money has a way of talking, doesn't it, Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, later in life, I spoke to uh, Wayne Bennett about it. And it's a bit of a running joke with him at the um, between us. How stupid I was. I didn't even go back and ask for a counter offer off them. So, <laughs> very silly. Uh, so you went down uh, to Newcastle, um, Adrian, and you, you made your you finally made your first grade debut um, in in 1990. Do you have memories of, of that game? I think Newcastle up against Penrith that afternoon. Yeah, I've had. Um, it was. I, I can't really remember the actual first game, but it was all a blur through that period of time. Just um, more so nervous on not trying to make any mistakes. Um, plus, I was a bit edgy from having uh, some serious ankle mm. injuries and that. So, I was a very 
I was six foot two and I was only, I think it was 80, 80, when I first got there, yeah, 88 kilos. So very skinny, very lightweight and got thrown around a fair bit. But um, I can remember a couple of games in that first year against Cronulla. I um, and later in life had a laugh with Gavin Miller. <laughs> One of the, I had a couple of, as you'd know back then, Newcastle were uh, utilising winger in, uh, dummy half runners, mm. winger in, and I'd done a run in with uh, Gavin Miller, ran straight in there, he just took my head off. And uh, for that whole half, I basically couldn't see out of one eye and could only see out of peripheral vision out of the other eye. So you're trying to run around in in that grade with no sight was not fun. No, I can imagine. But, um, running at Gavin Miller doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun either. <laughs> yeah, no. And I uh, in the second half, I was accidentally <laughs> had to go at him again, and he done exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, and wow. He, he laughed about it years later when I had to talk to him. He said, "Oh, I didn't. Not, so you didn't go off?" I said, <laughs> "No." He said, "Oh, rats." So he wanted to take me head off. Uh, Adrian, you had a. Uh, probably would have only had a little bit to do with Alan McMahon, who I believe was the the coach there in, in 1990. But but David Waite became the first grade coach of of Newcastle in 1991, and had been, uh, I believe, the reserve grade coach before then. And you had quite a fair bit to do with um, with David throughout your career. Obviously, he coached you for a few seasons at Newcastle, and then coached you for your final three years in in Australia in uh, uh, down at the Dragons um, down there at, at Cogra. What was I guess David like as not just a coach, but also as a as a person? Yeah, well, I had a lot of my relationship to actually get down there. Like when I went to Newcastle, I was associating with David uh, most of the time there. When I first went to Newcastle, I was uh, involved in a lot of schools. So I'd go to a lot of schools with him because he'd be running a lot of the school programs. Mm. So I got to know him very well, got got very close. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy for sure. Um, and then it just from the transition to stay in first grade, uh, he would always help me out coming from an Australian team himself. Mm. He'd give me advices and put me in my place when I needed to be. Uh, so in, in 1991, um, Adrian, um, you play 14 games uh, for the Knights, but I guess in, in 1992, it's a bit of a watershed year for not only you, but also uh, Newcastle. You have a, a good year and, and played 22 games and score nine tries and Newcastle make the semifinals. They beat uh, Western Suburbs in that first kind of minor semi and, and then come up against St. George in um, a very exciting semifinal, but a, but a trialless uh, semifinal. Do you have recollections of either those matches or that 1992 season for you or what it was like in, in the town of Newcastle with you guys having a fair bit of success on the field? Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually lucky enough to, um, back in them sort of days, Johnny Schuster was around, so... Mm. Um, I actually got to play outside him a fair bit, which he was doing some freaky stuff. Um, yeah, I remember the last game. I was actually one of the ones that had the ball in that semi-final, and, and uh, right next to the line, they had to j- try to do a chip over the top last tackle. Yeah, it was a bit of a slog. Um, yeah, but we, we basically couldn't just crack it and, and have a win there. Just couldn't do it. You're up against some uh, pretty decent centres in that St. George side, both Mark Coyne and, and Michael Beatty. Coyne would have been yeah. a, a great guy to, to play with. And we'll obviously touch on touch on that later, but uh, to have that kind of guy on your team, you're, you're pretty blessed. A Queenslander as well, so he's, uh, he's he must be right in your book as well, Adrian. 
Yeah, no, we used to have a lot of fun. We used to sledge each other most of the time. Corny loved to have a sledge in a game. It was just fun. Um, so your final season at, at Newcastle, Adrian, was um, was in 1993. Uh, and then the following season, you, you went um, to the Gold Coast. What was what was happening in that period of, of, of time uh, for you? Were you happy to leave Newcastle? How did the, the move to, to the Gold Coast happen? Oh, well, I was uh, lucky enough to play State of Origin in them last two years there, and being a Queenslander in New South Wales wasn't that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> as much as uh, they supported you in the team, at, um, when it comes around to Origin time, you got sledged a fair bit. Uh, but I love Newcastle. It was fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed staying there. Um, a lot of people probably wouldn't realise, but um, halfway through that season, um, mid-season, I had a game against Manly. And um, I had I ended up scoring the try next to the goalpost and uh, I had to take a goal kick and just took it too casual, come off the side of my foot and Missed, missed the goal to make it um, 18-16. So it was a pretty disappointing thing from my side of things. I, I wanted to sink into the ground. But mm. after the game, all the kids are kicking it from the same spot and I'm just oh, absolutely no. <laughs> copping it from the from the from um, uh, most of the spectators and commentators and they're talking about the kids are kicking it from the same spot. Oh, but what a lot of people don't realise is it, it um, at that time I actually owned a franchise for a juice, Orchie Juice franchise. Mm. And the next day I had to be going out in public and uh, basically I'd have a trolley full of juice going over to a shop and cars were slowing down. Out of about 10 cars, they'd be slowing down and winding the wind down and just absolutely screaming at oh, me. Oh, gee, Adrian. <laughs> And uh, I think one the night of the game, I went out to the the picture theatres to just watch a movie with my girlfriend, and we got absolutely jaffers and cans and oh <laughs> far out, <laughs> absolutely smashed on me. But the worst part of it all was the next day, I come home and um, people were running out of my yard everywhere, which I thought they were only just probably trying to steal some jerseys and clothes off my line. But um, the next, because it was night time when I got home, mm. I, the next day I went to drive uh, the franchise truck out the back and I went through the back fence and had no brakes and they cut all the fuel lines and brake lines oh. from the truck. They'd run oil all the way across my garage and I must have caught them. They were going to try and burn my bloody house down, which was crazy. Yeah, wow. I know that Newcastle fans are passionate about their rugby league. I didn't realise they were that, they were that passionate, Adrian. <laughs> Your girlfriend yeah, must have run was, a mile away. <laughs> yeah, she was out there. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty disheartening. It was not something that you like to like to happen. Um, like when you start cutting fuel lines and brake mm. lines, that, that's getting pretty scary. But I laugh because uh, they normally put it on the foot, footy show every year, but they wouldn't know the background story of what happened actually physically happened to me. They, <laughs> they always put it on for a bit of a joke. But I suppose you never get forgotten if you always get in the footy show. From yeah, some shit. <laughs> that's something that didn't happen. That's right. Did yeah. that? Did what happened there? Like I know we're we're laughing about it, Adrian, but did that impact your decision at all, or were you just happy to be heading back to Queensland with uh, with the Gold Coast? Yeah, well, I was actually um, I was involved in doing some trading with some other stuff, which was making me a considerable amount of money um, off off the field. 
and um, a combination of that. And but back then there was no Andrew Johns and mm. Matty Johns um, back line stuff. So I sort of uh, took the opportunity to go to the Gold Coast. Uh, I got asked to go up there by Wally Lewis when I was playing the Origin that year, and um, probably wasn't the best decision because. Mm. Within the first week, me getting there, uh, Wally was um, sacked. Mm. Um, about a week after that, I got a real bad case of um, chicken pox. And then uh, after that cleared up, I, I uh, had a head-on car accident, which no one really knows about, to be honest. Yeah, wow. I, I guess looking looking back on, on, on that, that time at, at at Newcastle before you you went to the Gold Coast probably a um, I guess a, a really good period of time in your your footy career, Adrian. We haven't touched on the the nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety three Origin series. You played uh, three games over those uh, those two series. Do you remember um, I guess the conversation or the phone call or or your feelings and emotions when you originally got picked for I believe it was game two in the the nineteen ninety two series. Yeah, well, I, I, when I got the phone call, it definitely was a shock. I was, um, I, I was lucky enough. I think I, I'd scored about nine tries at the start of the season, so uh, I thought I might have been in with the show with my history with other Queensland sides in coming through. Um, but there was a little bit of discrepancy. There was a bit of a bit of uproar. Alan McIndoe was supposed to be an opportunity to take mm. that position for that for that um, series as well. So. I went in there under a bit of a cloud to say oh, I should have been McIndoe or myself. So it was it was definitely great, fantastic. You played the in – yeah, yeah, go on, go on, Adrian. Yeah, so then up um, in that first uh, game we played, we ended up winning that goal, uh, winning that game where Alfie got the drop kick in the end and we, we had a win. So it was pretty exciting and Queensland being the way they are, they don't sort of – they like to keep their winning side. And mm. I got end up getting another game that year. What was it like to play at the the old Lang Park? We know it's obviously been refurbished over the last probably fifteen or twenty years, and um, yeah, all seater stadium and stuff now. But back in the early nineties, what was what was Lang Park like to play it in that Origin atmosphere? Yeah, it was just it was ridiculous. It was that loud, and, and it actually felt that the crowd was on top of you. To be honest, mm. the fence felt like it was that close. Um, what, what I can remember is. Um, just that you just no matter how loud you tried to scream for someone to come across or calling them across, there's just no chance they can hear you at all. So everyone's playing by feel. But the most um, surreal thing for me was is uh, huddling into a circle at the start of the game, and Mel Meninga's giving yeah. a pep talk. And I can remember back in my hometown, we never used to get the live telecast. So when I was growing up, I'd be back in 1980, I used to have to, it used to be a telecast at 10.30 at night, I used to have to go to bed and get woken up to watch the game and then to be watching Mel Meninga as a kid and the and the man still there when I'm back yeah. there playing myself. It was just absolutely surreal. They talk about State of Origin, Adrian, as being obviously a huge step up from first grade rugby league. They call it a, a cauldron and 
we spoke with uh, with Brad Mackay um, at the start of our um, when we were doing the podcast, and he said that some of the tackles that he received in that game were, was the I guess the hardest he he'd ever been hit. What is that? It's it's hard to put into words. He said, but if you can try and explain it, what is that origin experience like when you've got thirty four players all willing to pretty much die on the field to to get get their side over the line? Yeah, that's the difference. Like in, in the NRL. Um, when a person gets fatigued, like a couple of people fatigued, they might be trying, but they're, they're not trying as hard as uh, when they're at that mm. level of origin. So the easiest way I explain it to people is trying to run into a brick wall that wants to punch your head in. <laughs> um, so it's not it's not an exciting thing. And, and, and the biggest thing is when back in them 90s, most of the time when you're playing a game, you've you've really got a spot player that you can run at to try and get an easy bit of a run. But when you're looking across that New South yeah. Wales back line and Daly and everyone, it, it doesn't matter where you look, you're going to get killed. Let's go back and you, you touched briefly on before about your, your move to, to the Gold Coast in, in 1994. So you arrived there, Adrian. Wally Lewis is uh, is sacked as, as coach. So there's a new coaching staff that, that's brought in. You spoke about having that head-on collision and having chicken box and that kind of stuff. It sounds like a pretty miserable start to a, to a new club. How did, you, how did you find those first kind of three to six months? Well, the difficult part was is um, once I'd had the head-on car accident, uh, when I damaged my ankle, and what had happened is they, in one of the ligaments that holds uh, the uh, one of the sheaths that holds your ligament in place on the bottom of your ankle, it hadn't been connected back up again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, trying to get back out in the field as fast as I possibly can, I just I, I couldn't run properly, and um, and the fact that I was off, a lot of the I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the supporters and that think I was just trying to have a free free reign and a bit of a bludge up on the Gold Coast. So mm. that was probably the most disheartening thing. But I I knew my body wasn't working properly, and it, it took about um, it was only after about 18 months of me pretty much screaming to say that there's something wrong with my ankle. I have to go back in. Um, was the was when they actually did go back into surgery, and then they said, "Oh, yeah, sorry, we forgot to connect something up." By then, I was nearly going on my second year in in yeah. uh, the Gold Coast, which we which they never had much success through that period of time. Anyway, I was only only very very lucky that um, I got to the end of that year. I was a bit disheartened. Um, I thought I'd pretty much destroyed my career because I'd been out for nearly two years. I missed the next two seasons of Origin where they had a lot of success. Yeah. Um, with all the ARL um, changing over Super League and everything, um, I was out of action for to get any of the big money for when the Super League had come in. So yeah, it was it was very very disappointing. So I was only lucky that. At the end of that year, um, I know that David Waite got the job, uh, I think, about 1 o'clock in the day. Mm. And uh, he called me at 3 o'clock. And his words were, are you ready to resurrect your career? And I said, oh, I'm going to be there, bells on. Yeah, wow. It was, I... um, it was a blessing to me because I, I thought I'd actually made the biggest mistake of my life. I guess looking back on that time at the Gold Coast, it was very uncertain. We know that the... Gold Coast have had 
more incarnations up there than some people have had hot dinners when you you think think of the the gladiators and the the chargers the seagulls the giants different things towards the end of that 1995 season adrian with i guess all the money issues they were having and super league um obviously rearing its ugly head and, and all of that kind of stuff did you or the players did you really know about that uncertainty or is it a case of you're just trying to do a job on the field and not really worrying about stuff that's happening off the field well, a perfect example I could tell you about um, where the players – there is still great players, even though the team may not be gelling and they're not, they're not winning. There's still great players in the teams. It's just a matter of whether everything's um, gelling correctly and you've got the right coaches and, and everything. That's, that's the key. And the perfect mm. example of that was um, in the call that I had with uh, David Wade at the time. He asked me, "Did I believe that there was any players that um, that are in the club that I see worthwhile of actually bringing to St George?" And I think I named seven, and I, th- I think it was seven was total of the amount of players that David bought, and I think five of them played in the grand final that next year. Mm. Because did you have a pretty good relationship with Kevin Campion? Because we've chatted with Kev before and he said that you were a, a big influence of him coming down and playing that one season in 1996 with St. George. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it was at that end of the year and I'd, I'd been asked to come down by David and he, he requested um, me to notify him of any players that I believe are, are good. And, like you know, Colin Ward, mm, yep. um, Kevin Campion, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy um, Lenahan. There was um, uh, Shane Camwood. Uh, there's a there's a fair few. There's more than yeah. that. Um, all of them, he took on every one of them, and because it was the Gold Coast, he probably picked them up for the price of one player. Yeah. So the likes of Kevin Campion, like he was a steal of the century. He was such a great player and mm. and such a great guy. Good camaraderie. Everyone loved to play with him. Well, it was, it was only disappointing. He was only with us for one year. Yeah, it's um. I, I guess moving before we move on to to nineteen ninety six, we you touched briefly on it before, uh, Adrian. Uh, Super League. Did you have any conversations with either side of uh, of the Super League ARL uh, discussion when when you were up there on the Gold Coast? Yeah, yeah, I, I got invited. No different to anyone else, but uh, again, you got to remember, I was out of action. I was not. I was pretty much not playing. I was injured. They'd only remember me from the year that I played Origin mm. uh, back in 94. Um, yeah, so I was pretty much – I disappeared off the scene. So when I when they were talking about sending the money your way, there was definitely not the money that the other ca- yeah. other players were getting. So, But I understood that. That's, that, that's understandable. Mm. But um, a lot of the uh, – they didn't even know that I'd had a head on Carrickson. So. Yeah. They they were just thinking I wasn't playing. I'd been dropped and I wasn't playing good football. So you make the move down to uh, Sydney and with uh, with St George in in nineteen ninety six. After the the issues of the last couple of years, Adrian, what was what position was your or condition was was your body in heading into I guess pre season for for nineteen ninety six with St George? Yeah, well, I'd actually had the um, injury on the ankle fixed up mid mid year so I was actually getting back on track and getting a lot fitter so I 
the fact that I'd uh, had two years was just about nothing. I was keen, keen as mustard to get into it. Um, it was a difficult time because I got stuck when I was having a child before I was supposed to come down. So I was making sure that, I, as you know, Queensland is a Queenslanders. I wanted to have my baby <laughs> in Queensland. But I had to also start pre-season training. So I was trying to make the wife hurry up, making a walk, trying to get her to have the baby. <laughs> so I was doing sort of back and forwards down to um, Sydney to try and do some training, but then also wanted to be there for my wife. So uh, I got caught in a situation there where it was dragging on and dragging on. And I was, she was end up walking about 21 kilometres a day trying yeah, to bring wow. it on. <laughs> But, yeah, that was, uh, it was probably Peter caught a fair few of the players off me not being there, but you want to you try and support your wife, but you also mm. want to have your kid in Queensland. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so were you, were you involved with any of those periods? Because I know we've chatted to a fair few of those Dragons players from, from that 96 side, and with all the drama, I guess, at the beginning of the season with players signed to Super League contracts and training elsewhere and that kind of stuff, were you around the club when any of that, that drama was happening and I guess uncertainty about the club's future as well? No, because I was, um, I was sort of, uh, didn't get down there till in at least nearly January. Mm. So I was out of action for that, for a lot of it. So I didn't have much to do with all of that. When you speak to fans, Adrian, um, particularly St. George fans, 1996, even though it didn't end the way that fans and players would have wanted, is, I guess, kind of a, a fairy tale season with all of the issues pre-season and then, the, I guess, the side making a, a bit of a decent start to the season, then losing a whole bunch of games and then going on that phenomenal end-of-season run where you won 11 of 12 to make it to the grand final. What was that experience like as a player? Well, it was just the momentum of, of the team just getting more confidence every day and the, and the likes of seeing uh, Anthony Mundine and, mm. and players coming out of their shell, like the freakish things that you'd see Anthony Mundine do on, as an individual was just beyond belief. Um, and then the, the best part was watching the team growing and getting the same confidence. Like up to that last game, like – I didn't think we could ever lose, to be honest. Mm. And what was it like playing with playing with those players? Like Anthony Mundine was an absolute freak, but you also had Mark Coyne, who was um, still one of the premier centres in the competition. Nathan Brown, I know Noel Goldthorpe came back, and he was a really a really big part of that side. But Mark Bell as well. We've chatted with Mark before. He was a, another one of those shrewd pickups from David White. Yeah, I think we're blessed on the fact that there was so much experience there. Um, and, and so much confidence between all the players. Like Noli Goldthorpe had a fantastic year. He was he was dropping bombs like wherever he wanted. <laughs> um, it was just such a blessing, like a, a winger running through or a winger center running through where the ball's dropping right where you want it. It just puts so much pressure on the other side. Um, but just, just the likes, the biggest thing I noticed is a, a, when uh, Mundine would – uh, when you when you're playing in a game and you have a run or two and you you got your adrenaline running most of the time once you've had one or two runs you you're, you're pretty much gassed and mm. the majority of that time you're gassed because of the um, the adrenaline that's running through your body but uh, just watching even from the center wing position watch Anthony pick up a ball um, 
run, make it, make a few runs. He'd be there dummy half again. He'd be running the ball, might go right down the other end, then he'd be first down the other end and he might make yeah, three wow. tackles. And then he'd be back down the other end and he'd be first in to get the ball again. I physically could not comprehend how he could actually mm. do that much work without being gassed. That was and I think that's that year it, it stood out for us for sure in them last eleven games. He was just everywhere. And and if someone you just had to just keep your eye on all the time, like he he wasn't someone that would say, "Here, I need you to hit this gap out here." He basically says, "Well, I'm going to go try and score a try, and if I'm not going to get there, be ready to get the ball." Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> supremely talented, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, so that that was definitely a memory for me in back in football to see a guy with that much, um, oh, just stamina. And the only other one I, I can like, I mainly picture as that is um, Cameron Smith. He's mm. the same. Like, they just don't seem to get tired. So, you, the Dragons have won a whole bunch of games to to make uh, make it into into the semifinals. Um, Adrian, you come up against Canberra in week one, and, and St George are able to grind out a, a big game, effectively a game that I still think to this day was single handedly won by Wayne Bartram. He scored that incredible solo try in the first half. Uh, I think he kicked a sideline conversion after the the, the famous mousetrap play where uh, Mark Bell scored out wide uh, for the Dragons, and then you get into um, the the second week of the semifinals against the Sydney City Roosters and a game that was, I think, called a kickathon. I think the Dragons scored six tries, Adrian, and I think they were all off kicks. You got a couple of tries that, that day. Any memories of, of that day, or do they all kind of blend into one in that final series? Yeah, well, the one that um, Nolly Gold, like, like they kick a big bomb over into the corner, and um, both Nick Zisti and myself go up, and we're actually fighting for the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Either one of us could have scored the try, so it was, that was one memory. And um, another one was a good inside ball from Mark Coyne to score a try. It was, yeah, it was it was just the fact that we we didn't believe that we would actually lose the game. Mm. Like Wayne Bartram, as you say, he was just playing freakish through that um, final series, kicking all the goals. Like he was he, he was fantastic for the team. So yeah, you get past the Roosters and then you pe- you beat the Bears in um, a, a huge game. A, a, obviously, a grand final qualifier in Norse had actually beaten you guys earlier in the season, forty two nil. So to come out and uh, I think the game finished twenty nine points to twelve to to the Dragons in that game. That must have been an incredible feeling to to not only make it through to a, a grand final, Adrian, but beat a quality side. When you think of the likes of Matt Sears, David Fairley, uh, Benny Eichen was there, Jason Taylor, um, Greg Florimo. And to beat a side that had kind of comprehensively smacked you earlier in the season, you guys must have been on cloud nine. Yeah, it was definitely a slog, but we all knew we had to get there. And and again, I'll say it again, we didn't believe we were going to lose, to be honest. Um, when you're on a high and your whole team is just, uh, you're pretty much having a ball. You're having so much fun and everyone getting on. That's the key. Mm. When a whole team is getting on and believing in themselves, well, there's no one that can actually take it off yet, to be honest. But, yeah, that was definitely a slog that day. Um, Adrian, what was the lead-up like to the grand final? Because, obviously, you, you, 
when your time in Australia played in just the the one grand final. What's it like as a player? Because you have obviously the like the breakfast and all the training runs and all the cameras are there, which is so different to uh, like when you're training mo- twenty five weeks in the year and there might only be a couple of cameras there from a local newspaper or local radio station or whatever. How did you find that build up to, to grand final week and and to the eventual grand final against Manly? Oh, it's definitely exciting. I think the I think the most enjoyable part is to actually see all the fans having just mm. as much fun because they just get right behind it and there's, there's always supporters everywhere. Um, the buzz of buzz of around Cogra and that is just phenomenal. And, and everywhere you go, it doesn't matter. I, I lived out at Cronulla at the time, and no matter where you walked around, you're just going down to get a sandwich somewhere, and it's just the buzz is just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. When you're in the when you're in the grand final, it's just super exciting. What do you remember from from that grand final uh, day, Adrian against Manly? Obviously, there's if you speak to Dragons fans that were there or watched the game or were supporters back then, uh, the names Nathan Brown and Matt Ridge are normally the first words that kind of roll <laughs> roll off the tongue. But but what memories do you have from from that day? A fairly kind of uh, greasy and kind of wet day, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, that's that's probably the main thought that I got is when Ridge got off the ground and kept going and scored the try. Like, if you could see all the players, we're just in shock. Mm. And the fact that that transpired, it was it was the first time that we're actually flat. That's what I believe. It just we that's the problem. Sometimes you make a goal to get to a grand final and you and you play to that goal, but you haven't you haven't made that final goal to win it. Yeah, and that's that's probably the thing that I remember the most. It wasn't the, it wasn't the team that played the week the week before. As much as not not that anyone didn't try, it's just a matter of it just wasn't the same. Uh, it's hard to say. It wasn't mm. the same feeling as the week before, and the fact that it just got away from us a bit, and then I think everyone realised, hey, we're in for it for him, and then we just couldn't pull it back. And what's what's the emotion? At, at a time like that, Adrian, obviously you've had such a wonderful season. You don't, I guess, when you're training in pre-season, you, you don't put all that hard work in to make it to a grand final. Every side wants to wants to win win a premiership. What were your feelings and if you can remember the, the thoughts and recollections of, of teammates, what was it like at full time there? Yeah, I could. Well, the thing that blew me away is I, I've I realised um, the emotions on some players. Like, I, like I didn't expect some of the players to get so emotional. Um, yeah, I, I was a thousand percent disappointed. But it, people that had given their all and and they were upset. That was that was pretty mind blowing. Um, it's definitely you, you you're feeling that that's one that got away. We just definitely. Uh, should have put that one away, but we didn't. Um, other than that, you just gutted, mm. absolutely gutted. And I guess moving from that 1996 season into 1997, Adrian, it's a it's a very different team. Obviously, St George were able to retain uh, like yourself and Mark Bell, uh, players like Jeff Hardy, Nathan Brown, um, and a few other kind of key players, but. At the same time, you lose a whole bunch of players because of Super League in, in 1997. You lose your starting halves in Anthony Mundine and 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 Noel Goldthorpe. Obviously, Jason Stevens uh, departs as well. Uh, David Barnhill and Scott Goulet also uh, leave amongst a, a bunch of other players that, that we haven't mentioned. Was it a, a, a bit bizarre that season playing with, I guess, only 
well, half the half the teams and probably half the talent would be fair to say. Yeah, it was definitely different, but I I do know that we didn't feel like we were going to have a bad season because you're coming off that season before. Um, I still think we were very confident to have a very successful season. Um, but yeah, it was just it's just the depth of um, experience that you lose. It's it's hard to pull all that back in and try and try and retain it and go with fresh starters for the next year it's definitely definitely going to impact and it did well there was a lot of young guys in that side as well wasn't there? i think benny custer and scott murray were playing halves for a while and even lance thompson i think he was still only like 19 or 20 years of age obviously he had a bit of experience under his belt but there seemed like there was a lot of young guys um shane kenwood and and those kind of guys that were in that side it's, i guess it's hard to expect young guys to directly come into that first grade unit and to perform straight away like some of the veterans have been doing yeah, well, you can lose a couple, like you can lose a couple in your team, but when you're losing significant help, both your halves and and a key part of, part of your forwards, it, it, it's got it's a it's a restart, isn't it? Mm. And that's the difficulty. Like losing one or two, yeah, you can get through it, but losing that sort of caliber and starting with fresh young fellas, yeah, do they have the enthusiasm to try and fill their shoes? One hundred percent, but it's experience. You just can't beat that experience. 1998, Adrian, was your final year at the Dragons and it's it's the final year for St. George as a, as a standalone club. Uh, what, do you, what do you remember from, uh, from that season? It's, they, it was a little bit different to 97 because Anthony Mundine uh, comes back and um, I think Matty Rodwell was signed to, to play in the halves as well and Lee Murphy had kind of developed as a, a really good uh, ball-running fullback and Mark Coyne's still there. You've, you've, got, you've been able to add some really quality players to that, that side. Ultimately, it ends in, in kind of heartbreak, losing that, that semi-final against Canterbury at, at Cogra. But do you have memories of, I guess, of the year and, and perhaps the uh, impending kind of merger with Illawarra? Yeah, well, the, the um, Sam Blacklock and Murph and all that mm. coming come to light, you know what I mean? Because they got some experience under their belt and they started to gel a lot better and play some very good football. I remember back then you had Nathan Blacklock trying to crack into the side. He'd come in and then he'd be back. And so the pressure on the backs was significant. Um, so he was just playing outstanding. He was <laughs> he had to be in the side, but at the end of the day, there was no parties in the back line that were, were making any mistakes. So he had to just keep pushing. And then in the end, he actually take, took my position in the end. I'm, I missed the tackle against... Um, Wendell Saylor one night and absolute mm. flogging down rain and and that was enough for me to get the axe. Did you have any conversations with the club when the merger was getting close? Did you get any correspondence from them that you wouldn't be retained or what was happening for for your future, Adrian? Yeah, well, I was actually approached by um, uh, England so to go over there and. It was a pretty good wicket, and I knew that the merger was un- an uncertain thing for me. And I had a family, and mm. um, I had to try and make a decision. I didn't want to be getting to to a position down in a merger where I may not be in the first grade side, um, where I could take the last three years at the Dragons and get myself a a decent position over in England. Um, but it ended up being a bit of a, a disappointment because I got asked to 
go to Huddersfield and I was told by um, the, the Newcastle coach, the England, England um, there was a coach in Newcastle. Oh, David Waite. No, 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 no. The oh. English guy. I can't think of his name. Oh, um, is that Mal O'Reilly or Mal Riley? Yeah, or? Mal, Mal Riley. He actually approached me to go to Huddersfield. We were pretty much in a grant that um, he just had to get back over there and he'll organise my contract and get it done. And then at the end of the year, he ended up doing the not a very nice thing and took Jim, Jimmy Lanahan instead of me. So I was oh. actually end up had no club. And it was into the off-season, so... It was very scary times then, so he didn't honour what he said he was going to do. He went back there, didn't didn't get him in contract, and took Jimmy Lenahan. Did you? you know, I was lucky enough. You, I yeah, you ended up, up going, going in England, didn't you? Yeah, I ended up having to go over. Yeah, play for Wakefield Trinity. So you spent just the the one year in in England. What was what was the experience like that? Um, uh, playing that kind of footy over over there, like for you, Adrian? Yeah, I I didn't enjoy it at all. Like. Um, because because we weren't because end up going to a lower club as their first season in, um, the there wasn't the caliber of players like uh, at, at Sydney level for sure, um, and a lot of the periods of time when you you're running the ball and you should be getting uh, you should be the dummy runner they'd be giving it to you. So I actually got a lot of injuries over there. I broke my hand. I um, snapped off my sh- uh, collarbone. Sh- Ouch. To my AC joint, but it was m- more to do with just getting the ball when you shouldn't have got it. Mm. So you were pretty well, happy to come back to enough. Australia then. <laughs> yeah, I actually played my first game, and then they called me into. Well, I was gone there for three years, and they called me in to sign a five-year one, which I, I was a bit reluctant to do. But um, then I said, if they paid me my whole contract for the year uh, up front, now I'll sign the five-year one, and which they did, and. Um, I ended up. I didn't like it that much. I left before the end of the year because I had a double hernia operation that I had to have as well while I was over there, and I just said, "I'm not coming back. I'm not interested." Mm. And I left. It's a bit hard to be running around on a <laughs> running out of a dressing sheds, and the, the sound from the concrete to the grass is no different. I said, "This is not my cup of tea." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather be back in the sunshine and the beach. And were you were you happy to give professional rugby league away then? There was no approaches from anyone back in Australia, Adrian. Yeah, no, I was I was done then. I, I'd had enough. I probably I probably would have played out the five years, but I I, I couldn't do the um, travel back and forwards there mm. with kids. It's just too painful. Uh, and I, and I guess uh, yeah, I guess now looking. Footy careers ended a quite a while ago, um, Adrian. What's the what's the post footy life been like for you? You said you're up on the the beautiful Sunshine Coast, so no doubt plenty of kind of surf and sunshine. It's a little bit nicer than the north of England. <laughs> yeah, well, I was always interested in business, so even when I was going through there in footy, so to go into business when I finished was was a goal of mine, and I, I enjoyed that. I started off when I retired on the Gold Coast. I bought a um, uh, water truck business, which delivered um, potable water out to all the acreages up on the, on the Gold Coast. And then from there, I worked to, to get into development. And then um, I, I set up a company called Moran Group, of all things, Moran Group. <laughs> <Go> <laughs> of, course you did. of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, I, I actually got stuck into uh, building uh, motels and uh, hotel-style accommodation in the mining sector up mm. in central Queensland. So I ended up building nearly um, 1,800 to 2,000 rooms all up. And I guess there's no uh, there's no surprises about who you're going to be cheering for on Wednesday night, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about that. <laughs> well, uh, Adrian, I want to thank you for uh, giving up your time this afternoon and and not just chatting about your career with the Dragons, but also your career in rugby league. It's been uh, insightful for me, and I'm sure insightful to a lot of the fans that are, that have been able to listen to to this chat. And and um, there's plenty that remember you. You might think that you you're forgotten, but there's still plenty of uh, Dragons fans that have very fond memories of those St George sides in the 1990s. A very good, very skillful attacking side, and uh, no doubt they've enjoyed this chat, agent. So we want to thank you for for chatting to us on the Red V podcast this afternoon about your footy career. Well, if I can say anything, I just want to thank all the supporters because they were the best supporters that had come across. If they keep doing that and supporting their team, it's just such a lovely thing. Win, lose or draw, they, they're always there and they're very respectful. That's what I loved about it. it was in my footy career, some of my best times in, in the Dragons for sure. So that concludes our chat with Adrian Brunker. Big thanks to Adrian for jumping on the Red V podcast. I interviewed him a fair few months ago and he was very uh, yeah good with his time and, and talked openly and honestly about his career uh, in, in rugby league. And uh, yeah, really great to hear some of the yarns, some of the stories, especially uh, when you look back on that 1996 side. Uh, you speak to a lot of Dragons fans and obviously 2010 is up there. I don't think you can really top a premiership, especially when it's the first premiership, uh, I guess, in the joint venture history, but the first premiership that St. George had, had picked up in 31 years but I think 1996 comes a, a very close second with that incredible um, turnaround in form and, and the points the Dragons are putting up and the exciting football they were playing and Adrian Brunker uh, was a big part of, uh, of that campaign finished with 12 tries in the 96 campaign and also had some really great stories uh, there so it was great to have a chat uh, with Adrian and that pretty much wraps up episode 102 of the Red V podcast folks hope you've enjoyed um, our, uh, our conversation with Adrian tonight and as I said a little bit earlier on the podcast we'll be bouncing back into our latest Dragons news and updates and answer your fans' questions as well and slowly start to preview the positions and what that Dragons 17 may look like for season 2022. So please do join us next week for the first episode of the 2022 year and hopefully it's a successful one for the Dragons. A huge thanks uh, to each and every one of you that has, has liked, shared, listened, downloaded uh, the uh, the podcast uh, throughout uh, 2021. I know it wasn't the greatest year on the field or off the field for that matter, but there was still um, yeah little pockets of joy we were able to pick up and things are able to celebrate in the Red V and hopefully there's a lot more to celebrate uh, in season 2022. But until next year, folks, look after yourself. God bless. And let's go those mighty dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.